Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected portfolio manager and senior vice president at Canaccord Genuity, who has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies and health matters and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, throughout the pandemic era, one thing that has stayed at the top of the news headlines has been interest rates. We've seen a surge of people decide to retire and downsize and move to smaller towns or help their children and grandchildren get into the housing market for the first time. The result, of course, is a hot housing market and a nation of people wondering when the Bank of Canada plans to increase those interest rates. You're completely right, John. Multiple factors have resulted in the higher than expected home prices. And and some of the reasons that has led to a surge in, in home prices and an interest in the topic, I guess I would say, is, of course, as you said, low interest rates. But also the government's economic response to the pandemic caused the housing market, in my opinion, to really stabilize much more quickly than anticipated. Yeah, If you remember back to March of 2020, I don't think there was much in terms of real estate sales going on. But then there was also new demand, right, for larger spaces in the outskirts even in Vancouver. You saw a lot of those markets pick up. You saw vacation areas pick up, Whistler, the Okanagan, because people couldn't travel anymore. The biggest reason likely is lower inventory overall, right? As projects were canceled, it's hard to get workers now. Building permits are harder to get, and I've seen that firsthand. So with less inventory, there's not as much to choose from. So we've seen prices surge because of that. And then we see investors looking to make some easy money and jumping on the bandwagon as we see home prices increase and you see people wanting to make money. And then you saw them jump into the market as well. So I think there's multiple factors why we've seen home prices rise. And also then we have inflation here as well. And so we may see the Bank of Canada increase interest rates next year. And I think it's important for us to discuss. And and again, with so many changes in real estate over the last year and a half, I thought it would be great to bring on a really experienced mortgage advisor so that we can really talk about retirees and getting mortgages, buying homes, downsizing, helping children purchase their first home and what that all means. I just have had this topic come up in conversation so many times lately that I thought it would be uh, ideal to bring our guest on today. Indeed, on today's Ready, Set, Retire, we're joined by Cindy Ricketts to talk about loans, lenders, and everything in between. Cindy has over 25 years of experience in the mortgage financing industry and is the managing partner of Gibbard Group Financial. Cindy and her team of knowledgeable and experienced mortgage professionals help to get great mortgages that suit your needs and your situation. Most of us know that the financial aspects of obtaining a mortgage can be somewhat stressful and complicated, I guess. And some of the banks have been tightening up as of late. So I'm really excited that Cindy is here to share her industry knowledge and really break down the current interest rate environment along with myself. 
so that you can really navigate a mortgage in retirement worry-free if need be. And Cindy, we、uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us here on Ready Set Retire. Thank you, John and Lori. I'm happy to be here. Many people choose to downsize in retirement. They sell their home, they move into a new place, and hopefully pocket some profit along the way. Uh, Lori, maybe touch on the idea of downsizing, and if you would、uh, recommend taking out a mortgage if you can afford to pay for the new property with the funds from the sale of your home, then we can follow up with Cindy on that as well. Yeah, definitely. A lot of retirees end up downsizing due to stairs, or you know, just that they want a smaller space. They want to be able to lock up and go and, and travel when things open up. So a lot of retirees are faced with the question of downsizing, and with that question, usually is is should I pay for that new home outright, or should I take somewhat of a mortgage? And my reply always is, with mortgage rates as low as they are, it definitely makes sense that you should take some sort of mortgage if you can qualify. And this is why we're talking about this. Today, because again, if you can make six to eight percent in the markets with your investments, then sometimes it's a better idea to invest that money than put it all into a home. And Cindy, so what are your thoughts on that? Do you see a lot of retirees getting mortgages? Do you support that idea? So actually, my answer is yes and no. So no, you don't want to have any debt at this stage in your life, and that totally makes sense. However, if you plan on utilizing any of the equity in your home at any point in the future, it is a good idea to get a line of credit on your property. You don't have to have a balance owing, but you can get as high of a limit and only use what you need to. You won't be charged any interest until you utilize it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it makes、uh, definite sense, and and we get a lot of those questions too in terms of line of credits. What we just don't want to see is people racking up their line of credits and not paying them off. <laughs> that, that that's another that's issue,、true. but that's okay. I, I'm on top of that with people during their financial plans, so so we're we're all over it. So that's good. So, if you have other debt, how does that affect your mortgage? How do you calculate what a person qualifies for? For working with the traditional lenders, the level of debt you have is calculated no different than someone that is not retired. The more debt that you have, the higher your qualification ratios are. The lenders have a maximum they will allow, so please keep that in mind when you're trying to obtain financing. A large car loan does not work in your favor when you're trying to get a mortgage. What's the upper level? In terms of what the banks look at, how much debt can you carry if you're trying to get a mortgage? Well, the ratios are depending on if it's insured or uninsured. But if it's uninsured, meaning a conventional mortgage, the maximum is forty-four percent total debt service ratio. So, Cindy, how can retirees set themselves up to qualify for a mortgage? Well, that's a really good point. We come across that often. Some of our clients are proactive and obtain that mortgage while they are still working. Or if you don't do that, there are other options. If you want to use the traditional lenders like banks or credit unions, they will require some form of income. They will entertain pension income, and sometimes with a combination of investable assets, you can obtain financing. Depending on your age, there are also reverse mortgages, often called CHIP, are an option, and they don't require income qualification, but they lend at a certain percentage of the property value. So the older that you are, the more they will lend to you. Lastly, there are alternative lenders, and these are often like private lenders. They will have a higher risk tolerance and will lend to you based on the equity of your property. The thing is, the alternative lenders charge a higher interest rate, and they also charge a fee based on the loan amount. So it can be a little expensive. 
Yeah, of course. And so in our experience, a lot of the time for retirees to qualify is that we just send out kind of a list of all their accounts and uh, shows the value of those investable assets and if they're drawing an income from the investable assets as well. So that that can help, I guess, somewhat. You're absolutely right, Laurie. That's a really good point. Uh, the client just, um, they do have to show a history though, because a lender will want to see that they're collecting money from their assets over a certain period of time, and they need to see an average that's being withdrawn. So if they just started it, it might make it a little difficult to qualify. I see. Yeah. So a lot of our clients have been taking income for years and years. So I think that's why we've had a, a decent experience with that. And and just with the chip reverse mortgages, I do worry about those because there's a lot higher costs involved with that, I think, isn't there? It is a little bit higher. The interest rate's a little bit higher and there is a small fee. It's a little bit cheaper than all private financing, but um, yeah, it's relatively the same. To follow up to that, are there any extra precautions retirees should be aware of when taking out a mortgage, like additional insurance, protection, that sort of thing? Well, as mortgage brokers, we are required to offer mortgage protection insurance to all applicants. They are not required to accept it. It can be waived, but it must be offered. It's part of our compliance. If you don't have a fallback position financially, this may be a good option to protect yourself. The thing to keep in mind, though, is that if you're 65 years or older, you may not qualify for this. Is it difficult for someone who is retired to qualify for a mortgage if they have assets in their portfolio? Does that help? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, having assets is super helpful when trying to qualify an applicant that's retired. However, the traditional lenders will not allow assets only as a form of qualification. They want to see investable assets such as stocks, bonds, GIC, mutual funds combined with some source of income. So you have to have a little bit of a little bit of everything in order to qualify. Yeah. They've made a lot of changes in, in uh, underwriting these days, and uh, they don't. Gone are the days where a client can not have a job but just have assets. What loan to value can people expect? I know for a few retirees, we've seen you know where they're only able to maybe get forty percent of the value of the the property in a mortgage, right? They just lowered it. We showed their investable assets. They have some pension income, and so that worked out for them. And so that's again just a question that we had: is what is the average? I guess that one could expect if there is some sort of average. I mean, everyone's situation is so unique. You must see so many different things. Um, (laughs) But but anyways. I'll ask the question anyway. Um, you're you're absolutely right. Like this can vary. Like if an applicant has a large pension, they can often qualify as high as eighty percent of the value of the property. But you have to qualify using that income. If we're using the reverse mortgage as an option, um, the maximum loan to value is usually fifty five percent of the property. But that's also dependent on your age too. It's become more and more common for parents or grandparents to want to help their children or grandchildren break into the real estate market, whether it be gifting money for a down payment, a deposit, loaning money, or co-signing on a mortgage. In fact, according to a report due to be issued by CIBC Economics, parents gave their kids just more than $10 billion in down payment help over the last year, which was 10% of the total down payments over that period. Uh, Just less than 30% of first-time buyers got this help, which averaged $82,000. So for retirees thinking about gifting a down payment deposit to their child or grandchild, what should they expect from the mortgage process? Well, um, as mentioned earlier, the simplest process is to have a line of credit in place. And then it's as simple as just writing a check. 
keep in mind that the interest rate on a line of credit is slightly higher than a typical mortgage. But if you wanted to convert that amount to a mortgage, it can be simply done by just making an appointment with your bank rep and sorting that out. The mortgage process can be simple if if you have all of your documents in place. The types of documents that you should have on hand are pension statements, asset statements. Uh, If you have a current mortgage balance and would like to increase for the purpose of the gift, then you will need to provide a copy of your mortgage statement as well. With these documents, reach out to us and we can help you with submitting to the best lender that suits your needs. Yeah, so I think going independent is a good idea, right, Cindy? Because then you can branch out and take a look at what all the different areas are offering and really get the right fit for your clients. So I I think that's great. You're absolutely right, yep. And so in terms of gifting, I mean, John and I are talking about this often. A lot of people were saving a lot of money during the pandemic and had nowhere to spend it. So it seems they offloaded some cash to their children to buy real estate. (laughs) And so I'm always uh, in this conversation trying to figure out what's the best way to do that. And often like gifting is an easy one. Here you go. Here's a down payment. Off you go. But people have brought up co-signing a mortgage or even buying a property and having their child rent it from them and in, you know later on it becoming part of their inheritance but i guess co-signing is what i want to focus on because i feel like it can be kind of a dangerous way to do things uh, depending on your kid right <laughs> if you have a very responsible child who's going to pay their their part of the mortgage and that's great but all of a sudden if they don't then you're on the hook and what does that mean so what's your thoughts on co-signing is it easy to do do lenders like it they don't like it you know how, how do you feel um well that's a great question Lori. Not all retirees are great co-signers, though. Yes, you may have little debt, but often what the child needs is assistance with the income to help them qualify for a higher loan amount. If you're not earning any income, this may not assist your your child. If you do earn a pension and you and you have no debts, then you are in a better position to assist in co-signing. The difference between the two options is when you are co-signing, you're taking on the responsibility of the mortgage. You will be held responsible if the child should default. And if you're gifting the down payment, then this is just money out of your pocket, but you are not responsible for the mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, and, and yeah, so I think I also met when people are working, I think any, not just retirees gifting to their children or grandchildren, but anybody. So a lot of those people have been working and so they are getting an income. And so whether that's co-signing, you know, while working, but I think that's a, a great point you had, Cindy, you know, here's the gift off you go, handle it on, on your own. Yeah, leave me out of it. <laughs> Versus taking on, on a million dollars of mortgage debt as you cross that uh, line into retirement doesn't sound great um yeah so so okay well that's definitely a good answer and something to think about for all of those out there looking to give money to your children or uh, grandchildren to buy real estate Uh, check with your financial advisor first (laughs) if they agree (laughs) and having said all of that is there anything else that uh, people can do to get their grandchild or child uh, approved for a mortgage yes uh providing good advice help them find a good mortgage broker Don't make any big purchases. That big car loan will not help qualify for a high loan amount. Don't change jobs. This may or may not affect the approval. You cannot be on probation when applying for a mortgage. And if your income is structured differently than your previous job, that could be a problem, such as overtime or bonus or commissions. Don't be irresponsible with your credit. Pay your bills on time. Avoid inquiries on your credit report. Don't open any new credit accounts and taking on new debt. At the end of the day, just give them really good advice. 
And I think what you meant by they can't be on probation, you're not talking criminally, you're talking about yeah. proba- <laughs> probation at work, right? For a new job? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good catch there, Lori. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Thank you. If you're an inmate, uh, it might be a little bit more difficult to... <laughs> You have to kind of finesse that one a bit, I think. (laughs) Might be difficult to get financing, yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about interest rates and the outlook moving forward, because uh, from the newsroom to the dinner table, interest rates have been a hot topic for some time now. And it's a strange environment out there. Every article or news report you hear seems to have a slightly different take on what exactly is going on. So in your opinion, what are the biggest things affecting interest rates right now? And uh, Laurie, as you have your finger on the pulse with the markets and the Fed, could you also comment on the interest rate question as well? When we're taking a look at what's happening in markets and inflation, we're obviously following the Fed in the U.S. and the Bank of Canada and seeing what's happening. Um, you know, the view is, is that rates are going to go up, likely the second half of next year. How far and how fast, you and I will, will likely never know. Of course, there's lots of economists out there projecting what will be. My understanding, and Cindy, maybe you can comment on this, is that mortgage rates can move ahead of interest rate decisions and so on. And so what are your thoughts about mortgage rates and where they're headed over the next year? Well, definitely. They're definitely going to be increasing. The rates have been sitting really low for the last year and a half due to COVID. The five-year bond rate has increased a full percent since September of 2020. So it's inevitable. As our economy gets stronger, interest rates are just inevitably going to go up. Yes, exactly. And so so that's the fear. I think I always say that we want to make sure that people are, are buying what they can afford. Um, because when rates do go up, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, to a lot of those people who may not be able to pay for uh, or afford the mortgages that they have taken on. So again, just to, to touch on, so last week we saw the Bank of Canada decided to hold interest rates steady at the lows, but has continued to taper back stimulus as the economy recovers. And even though rates remain low in the near term, despite inflation, we do expect to see that increase. And given all of that, how do you expect mortgage rates to move in the near future? I mean, you said that they're going to move higher. I guess I have a question for you. Maybe I have this on the top of your head here. So what is the average five-year fixed versus a variable rate right now? Good question. Originally, when um, you asked me to be on this podcast, the rates were around the two and a half percent range. But as of like today, the rates have actually increased. They're more like two and three quarters is closer to the five year fixed rate. So, you know, unless the bond yields decrease, the fixed rates will continue to rise. Uh, The variable rate, though, still remains low due to the heavy discounts. Uh, The growing spread between fixed and variable will, will drive some borrowers towards a variable rate. Because, I mean, uh, the variable rates could be as low. Actually, last week, I got a mortgage done at um, the effective rate was 1.25%. I mean, granted, you have to keep in mind, that's a, a fluctuating rate. But still, like a, a one and a quarter, like <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. What are some of the pros and cons of fixed versus variable rate mortgages? That's a great question. So fixed rates guarantee your interest rate and mortgage payments for the term of your mortgage. 
A typical term is five years. The fixed rate protects you against market volatility. However, if you pay out your mortgage before the term is up, the prepayment penalty can be quite high. As an example, I had I was working on a file uh, last week. The penalty was $40,000. It was crazy. So anyways, clearly the client decided against refinancing. Variable rates are usually a lower rate. The rate floats according to the lender's prime rate. So this has been stable since the start of COVID. But economists are saying that they expect this to increase next year. Variable rate mortgages payments can fluctuate as well, so you have to be prepared for higher mortgage payments when the interest rates increase. The penalty to pay out a variable rate mortgage is three months interest, which is generally lower than the fixed rate. However, the benefit of the variable rate mortgage is most lenders will allow you to lock into a five-year fixed mortgage at any time without a penalty or a charge. You will be offered the best rate at that time of the request, though. It's like gambling almost, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Yes. I, I often say you don't want to gamble with the roof over your head. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I even if fixed rates at 2.75, I mean, they've come way up. They've come up almost, oh, yeah. almost a percentage point in, in less than a year. But still, I mean, historically speaking, that is still a very low rate. So, again, it's important to kind of talk to your mortgage broker, talk to your financial advisor and, and figure these things out for sure. And, you know, as a portfolio manager, one of the things constantly on my mind is risk management. That's what I say we do day in, day out. It's not just managing money, it's managing risk, actually. And so how can retirees manage their mortgage risk in the current interest rate environment? And, and you may have just answered it, but, uh, but anyways, I'll, uh, I'll give you the floor on that one. <laughs> well, when a client has a fixed income, we do generally suggest that a fixed rate mortgage is their best option. Another point is if a client is obtaining a mortgage, and their minimum payment amount is X. If you can afford more, a lot of times a client will say, okay, if the mortgage payments are $1,000, but I can afford $1,500, they will change their mortgage payments to $1,500. But don't register your mortgage at $1,500 as your mortgage payments. And the reason for that is because if you ever get into a situation where you're going through any hardship at any point, you can always revert back to the lower mortgage payment and, and not have to keep the increased. However, However, if you kept the higher, you know, say 1500 registered, then that's what you're bound to. And you have to make minimum payments of the higher amount. So register at the lower amount if you can. Retirement can be uh, tricky to navigate, especially during times when the economy and interest rates are changing. We've had interest rates that have been low and we've had inflation that has been low for a very long time now. We're starting to see that change, Lori. So it's one of those things where the future is unclear, I think. And uh, for a lot of people, changes like that can be a little bit nerve wracking. And so hopefully we can help them out here on Ready, Set, Retire to calm the nerves a bit. Well, exactly. I think uncertainty makes people uneasy. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, the economy goes in cycles and you're going to be an investor, whether it be in the stock market or in real estate, um, when rates are either going down or staying low or if they're increasing and you just got to be ready for that change and talk to professionals about that and and like I said you know we're doing ready set retire so we're often talking about retirement and these situations and and where again I see that conversation a lot is in the case of downsizing people asking is it a good time to sell their home should I get a line of credit I just had that question yesterday actually Cindy you know writing off the interest all that kind of stuff and whether it's a good time for children 
children or grandchildren to be entering the real estate market? That's another question. And so I've said many times, you know, my mother's been in real estate for 40 plus years. Cindy knows her as well. And and for me, it's just... Hi, Donna. Yeah, exactly. Real estate is just kind of a part of, of my family and what we do. And because I'm on CKW to commenting on real estate, it's a hot topic here in Vancouver. So I'm just so happy that Cindy joined us today and was able to provide us a really valuable insight, right? These are these are questions I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So to bring in a professional like Cindy to help answer those questions, I really appreciate it. I know John does, and, and so do our listeners. So thanks again, Cindy. Thanks for joining us, for providing us your advice. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. So in order to end this segment, we usually um, end with a quote. Did you prepare one for today? I did, as a matter of fact. So... Um... We have a cheeky spinoff of the saying, keep calm and carry on. So what we say at our office is, keep calm and call your mortgage broker. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when interest rates are going to go up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Well, thanks again. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Cindy. No, thank you. That's all for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, Please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.